0: what's going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the pesky report brought to you by beyond the monster that's uh that's the first time we've actually introduced ourselves under the beyond the monster brand uh this is episode 231 we're gonna do some minor league talk with me today i have jake how are we doing dude
1: i'm doing great brad how are you sir
0: fantastic we can talk about that like later i guess uh also on the show we have derek how are we doing uh doing good i'm excited about this pretty pumped myself i I don't sound it but i am (laughs) and also with us we have hunter how are we doing dude i'm doing awesome ready that's good to hear Uh, So we have a new segment that we're going to implement throughout the season. Uh, We are going to be doing some minor league talk. Uh, Seemed as though minor league, correct me if I'm wrong, but minor league are six games a week. They're Tuesday through Sundays and Mondays are their days off. Yep. So we will be recording episodes mainly on Mondays and dropping them on Tuesdays. And, uh, these three fine gentlemen right here are going to be be beyond that show. So, uh, Jake, you wrote some notes. Let's get, let's get going.
1: All right, Brad, thanks. And I'm, I couldn't be more excited to be doing this throughout the season with these guys. Um, you know, I know, I know Derek and, and Hunter both a bit from, from online stuff. Um, Super knowledgeable guys as well. Hunter has has done a ton of, my, of minor league prospect writing. So this is going to be, I think, uh, this is a great group. And I, I couldn't be more psyched to be to be chatting about the minor leagues uh, for the Red Sox this year. And it is a super interesting time to be uh, focused on this. We know that the Red Sox, as they've sort of moved out of the Dombrowski era and moved into the Bloom era, are putting more of an emphasis on building through the farm system, building this team, trying to make the next sort of great version of the Red Sox team be based off of the the farm system. And I think that interest in the the minor leagues is sky high right now. Interest in prospects is sky high. And uh, we want to bring that content to everyone every week and talk about what's going on in the system, who to watch and who to look out for uh, going forward. Guys that you might see at Fenway Park at some point sooner, hopefully rather than later. Um, so I wanted to start the discussion today, talking, just talking overall about the state of the the Sox uh, minor league system, um, kind of where things stand now, uh, give a little bit of a preview on, on what people can expect, maybe what some of the overall like strengths and weaknesses of the system are. We can talk a little bit about the system rankings, um, that I get a ton of attention. And then, um, if we have time, I, I, I wanted to start the process of going through some of the, the rosters for the farm team, the different farm teams, the Red Sox are going to have four four full season teams. The the Woo Sox are going to start on Friday. The other three teams don't start, I believe, until uh, the 6th is when the season opens for the other three teams of April. So I wanted to go through the rosters and talk about who's going to stand out to us or who stands out to us, who we're looking forward to seeing, um, who's due for a big year. Um, who has high expectations? Who do we think are going to be big movers? I also know, Brad that we got a few Twitter questions today too. so hopefully so uh, I think we could maybe try to get through some of those as well. So um, just overall impressions about what the expectation is for the minor league season right now and, and where the where the system stands right now in general, Hunter. I, I'll start with you like
2: okay.
1: um, As far as where things are now compared to maybe the last few years, where do you overall see the sort of the talent base of the system right now? I think the biggest difference is it's
2: a, I guess a combination of the depth, but also the top level depth, which I still don't think is perfect. I think that that might be something that you could almost consider weaknesses. Like once causes graduates, you only have like those three or four names that like get national attention, but it's still, it's one of those things if you look back four or five years ago when it was like he had Michael Chavis as the number one prospect who even the national media was like, there's four different holes in this guy's game. Like he's he's gonna hit for power, but outside of that, you know, he's decently fast. Like he, There's nothing else he really excelled at. And then you look at the top now and it's like Marcelo Meyer, what's his weakness? Miguel Blaze, what's his weakness? So I think that that's, probably the biggest difference is the fact that there's guys that aren't just top Red Sox prospects, but that are viewed as top prospects in all of baseball, which it's nice to have multiple of
1: those. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's definitely um, you win with stars. I think we've seen that and the Red Sox do have guys in their system that are stars um, that potentially stars that they did. They just simply didn't have um, when at the end of the sort of Dombrowski reign, um and and now it's it's different derek like what do you see as being the kind of strengths and weaknesses of the system right now
3: i feel like i love the system in the low minors right now like you'd look at the rosters for low a salem and high a like you look at those two rosters and you looking and it's like there's just talent after talent after talent after talent there's so much talent down in that low minors and you get a little bit towards the higher minors. You look at double A, not as much talent, triple A, not as much talent. Although, triple A, that rotation with getting Whitlock and Pale to start the year might just be like the most overpowered triple A rotation anyone's ever seen in their life. Um, but you, there's a lot of low kind of low minors talent now that doesn't mean low level talent, it's just that they're early on in their development. Uh, you get guys like Miguel Blaze, Marcelo Meyer, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm not going to go down the whole list, obviously. That's, I think, the real strength of this system. And I think the hope is by those times are coming by the time those guys are coming up into the high minors, you're getting that next group of guys coming into the low minors. And it ends up creating a replenishable system of talent throughout the minor leagues and and hopefully throughout the big leagues as those guys graduate from from the uh, from prospect status into big league players. Yeah, and.
1: I think that um, if we start to look a little bit at some of the rankings of where the Red Sox system is compared to others, I think a common criticism that has come up is that the, the Red Sox right now do not have a lot of high end pitching talent necessarily in the system, other than guys at the, the very, the guys that we've talked about the Worcester rotation, which has guys that are made up of guys that are going to be pretty much all big leaguers. And, you know, you have a guy like Bayo who is, does not qualify as a prospect anymore. It's kind of an interesting thing where it's like, if Bayo made like three less big league starts last year, he would qualify as a prospect. He would still have rookie eligibility. And then you would think about that in terms of like where the Red Sox system would be. Like they probably would be higher up in the rankings considered just, but, but the fact that Bayo, had too many stars last year but that doesn't change the fact that he is a really exciting young starter that this system has developed um but i think that other than a guy like there are a few guys at the low minors who are interesting and exciting as pitching prospects but there is nobody like um i like you know and this is a outlier but there's nobody like a yuri perez for the marlins who you're like looking at like a guy who is like Uh, A teenager or however old he is, 19, 20 years old, or Andrew Painter even, who, you know, not really sure about where he's at health wise, but just a guy who's like, okay, this is like this young pitching prospect phenom that you know is going to be a starting pitcher. There are guys with a lot of talent, and we're going to talk about these names, I'm sure, throughout the year, guys like Luis Perales and Wickelman Gonzalez and and others, but there is risk with those guys, especially that they might be. They might be uh, relievers at some point yeah. if they don't work out, or they might flame out completely. So I think that if you ask me, like, what I think is the biggest weakness in the system is that, um, well, that's that's one thing, and there are a couple of positions that I think are are weaker. But I'm just curious about you guys' thoughts about the the pitching depth in the system right now. Uh, Hunter, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I I do think that that is definitely a concern. There's no there's no one like that everyone sees as this sure shot future ace. But I do think you you mentioned Luis Perales. I think Elmer Rodriguez, Rodriguez Cruz doesn't get enough credit, uh, and I do think there's a few guys in in between there, like Shane Drohan in Double A. I think has been really solid. I think he's got a nice pitch mix, uh, gets a lot of strikeouts. Uh, so I do think there's a few people there that have potential to be very solid starters at the very least. But it is there is that that fear of. You don't have that big name, which really hasn't been a focus. I feel like in early rounds for the Red Sox lately. I mean, yes, they've been going shortstop a lot, right? Uh, Yeah. But so I, I think that that's something that it's kind of like the national media bias of this guy was a top prospect or a a top pick, so let's talk about him. And it's something that I think kind of affected Sedan Rafaela. Like before last year, he was this guy that had like these clear breakout motives, but no one wanted to talk about him because, oh, he was this this international, this cheap international signing. Uh, And I think that that's kind of where a lot of the Red Sox prospect pitching prospects are is like they need they need to have that really big year for them to get the attention. But there's definitely there's definitely a lot of potential there. It's just a lot of risk with it.
3: Yeah, Derek, Derek, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything Hunter said. I, there is a lot of talent there, obviously. There's some, you know, bust potential in terms of the fact of that they're so early on in development, right? You don't really know what's going to happen. But that's for everyone in the low minors. But I yeah. think you start to look at some of these arms in the low minors, and you and you can kind of see where that, like, potential is where if they reach their full potential, you go, oh, we might have a guy here, right? And, yeah, a lot of them are cheaper. Even a guy like Bayo was cheap. You know, yeah, he wasn't that expensive, but look right. what he's kind of turned into now throughout the minors and now as he enters his big league career, you know, his first full year in the big leagues, hopefully this year, um, after like the first couple weeks in triple A, uh, you know, hopefully he can continue making that, making those steps to become, you know, a legitimate front end rotation guy. And you look at some of these guys in minors, you go, yeah, they weren't the most offensive guys in international free agency or they weren't the highest draft picks in the draft, but you can start to see some, especially with guys who maybe have breakout performances this year. We obviously, we don't know the games have to be played, but there's a lot of potential in the system. And that's the thing I like to see. I like to see a lot of potential. Is it because I'd rather, I'd rather have a guy who has potential to become an all-star, but the yeah. floor might be a little bit lower than a guy who max is like a bench guy. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I so I, both of you guys brought up stuff that le- leads into a point that I wanted to make, which is just like the fact that um the fact that, the Red Sox are where they are in their in their current uh, makeup of the minor leaguers that they have, and the upside that they have is by, is by design by the way that they have decided to accrue amateur talent over the last couple of years. And so, Hunter, you mentioned the draft strategy. So, yeah. yes, it's become a bit of a running joke that the that if you are a if you're a high school hitter from California, you have a really good chance, you have a, the best chance of getting drafted in the first round by the Red Sox because that's what they've done each year each of the three years that bloom has been here now obviously one of those times the best player in the draft happened to fall into their lap at number four and they had no choice but to take meyer if i uh, and i you know people that follow me on twitter they know i support this run office i like Bloom, but like people give him a lot of credit for the drafting of, of Marcelo meyer i feel like if if they didn't draft Marcelo meyer yes. we should have rioted like that was the biggest no-brainer ever after the, the tigers passed on him um So what the point I was trying to make, though, is that the Red Sox have gone for more sort of high upside, more project type players that they've drafted. They have not gone for this sort of like shock and awe. We're going to we're going to draft like whoever the best college player is like right now. And it's somebody that's going to shoot through our minors. And a good an example of this is, okay, the Red Sox last year in the first couple of rounds could have taken a guy like Ben Joyce who was the closer for the university of Tennessee He throws a hundred and is just filthy. Um, He went, I think in the fourth round to the angels. Right. And so he's the type of guy that if the Red Sox had drafted him, you could probably be looking at him making this team's, the Red Sox bullpen this year, potentially. I don't think he's that far off from, from pitching in the big leagues, but that would have, but, but the flip side of that is that that guy's just going to be a reliever like he's never going to be anything more than that. And if he flames out, you've wasted a 4th round pick on a guy who only ever had reliever upside anyway. Yeah. So, the Red Sox what they've done is that they've decided, okay, we're going to try to go after upside guys who maybe are not super heralded as minor league as as uh, as amateur guys or guys in the draft like spreading them or the guys in the international draft like spreading the money around trying you know not but sp- they you know miguel blaze was a guy that got a pretty decent size bonus i think he got like a million and a half but like a lot of other guys that they they've spread that stuff around they haven't gone after these like college hitters. They have not gone after college pitchers hardly at all in the draft. They are the got the college pitchers that they have gone after are the two like the two lefties they drafted last year who were relievers who I believe they want to turn in. They they saw things. Um, analytically or through their models or through their their pitch shape and all that stuff, and they identified those guys as people that they think they can turn into starters yeah after they were college. So it's it's a it is a deliberate effort. and I think that um, it goes back to I think what you were saying Hunter, about like the media and and what they kind of harp on, which are a lot of the sort of big names. But I think the Red Sox are taking a sort of a little bit more of and this is frustrating for fans, I understand it, but it's more of a slow and steady, approach that to try to win the race to try to say we're going to bring guys that we identify as being really talented yeah into our infrastructure and try to turn them into stars and it's going to work hopefully it'll work for some of them but it may not work for all of them and maybe not everybody agrees with that approach but that's what they're doing so that's that's my read on on why they are where they are especially with pitching i don't know if uh Hunter, if you have any thoughts about that, no, I, <laughs> or, or Derek, whatever.
2: <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I think that that's, that that's a really good way to put it, is that how they focused on building people up and going for the the high upside. We see what we feel like you need to work on, and we can help you with that, and we can get you to that next level. And and it's, it's good because I think it puts a lot less pressure on them, but I think it, it does also give you that, less of a chance of hitting on someone but then there's not that oh this guy this guy didn't turn out well it's kind of like there's so much such smaller of an expectation that i think fans won't notice it if some guy that they signed for ten thousand dollars doesn't turn into what they thought he would because most of the people don't pay attention to that
3: they're not going to see him right exactly yeah the rays have their lab in the everglades we're building a lab in worcester (laughs)
1: hopefully hopefully it's uh it'll be in the uh near the uh the old um the old table talk uh pie factory in New Worcester I don't know if the I don't even know if Brad understands that reference but um yeah he's nodding um so I think just quickly like there were the, the only other thing I just wanted to mention on this particular topic was some of the rankings that came out and just so people I guess are aware of them um baseball America had the Red Sox 10th overall um you one thing, one factor to consider with that is that they can, the baseball America, I think is the only one of the major ranking systems that includes the Japanese, uh, rookies, quote unquote. So they consider Masataki Yoshida, a prospect as part of the system. He's ranked fourth in their system. Um, I kind of think that that's a little bit of a cheat, but, but that is a level playing field. They consider, you know, the Kodesenga Senga is someone they consider for the Mets too. So it is part of their, it is part of their evaluation. Um, I believe that otherwise ESPN Kylie McDaniel had the Red Sox 14th MLB.com pipeline had them 16th. And then of course, Keith law got a lot of attention over the winter, had them way down at 23rd and his, he put a lot more weight on the, the lack of hot, lack of pitching depth. Um, I think that, that I wanted to just talk about this a little bit because I try, I, I care about this stuff, but I try not to, <laughs> because I think that it's also, it's also subjective. Yes. Um, each of the different systems, each of the different places has the, And I just, I just want to talk about this a little bit, because I feel like there's maybe a, some misunderstanding about what the rankings really mean, why, like how you should interpret them, that kind of thing. Cause I think that there was a lot of, you know, I know that you guys, I know, um, I don't know. I try not to listen to sports stock radio, but like these guys, like you know, when when Keith Law ranked the Sox system twenty third, it was like very much harped on locally here yeah. by the sort of hot take media about oh look at look at this and look at how but the Heim Bloom has tried to rebuild the Red Sox farm system. But look at it's you know the, he's in the bottom third of this one ranking, so it's like okay. Um, everybody comes at it very subjectively. At the very least, I would just say that. The ESPN ranking and Keith Law's ranking Are both put together by one person One person yeah. is is is, And they are responsible for, for ranking all 30 teams, they're right, responsible for Ranking like 30 whatever prospects For 30 different teams all by themselves There's It is impossible to Imagine that they can have as much Coverage as yeah. the other outlets which MLB has multiple people and I believe Baseball America has the most people that are Involved in those rankings um, And everybody has different different ways of looking at these things like i know for i know that the way that kylie mcdaniel does his rankings is is that he him and eric longenhagen has um developed that future value system they wrote a book called future value they they assign a dollar figure basically to every player in a minor league system and they add up all of those values for each system and whoever has the most money value is how they determine their rankings so I think that people should use them for informational purposes only um, and not treat any one of them as gospel. I certainly lean more towards trusting probably baseball America because they've been doing it the longest and they have the most people involved. Um, But I just think like, it's, it's interesting to talk about, but what, I think what we want to try and do is really hone in on the sock system. Who's here, who you should kind of, who, who, you know, you should be watching out for. And the, the, the national guys are not going to, they're not going to know the system as in depth as people that are sort of following it individually day to day. So that's, I just wanted to mention that part of it. I know, Hunter, do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah. I'm going to stab myself here, uh, <laughs> and say, don't listen to people's rankings because it's all objective. <laughs> please, please go read my top 30 rankings. <laughs>
1: But, but also everyone is subjective except for Hunter, just so you know,
2: but but also it's, it's all someone's opinion and everyone's wrong at some point. Someone's going to tell you that this prospect you've never heard of is going to be great. And every once in a while they're going to be right. And at the same time, they're going to, they're going to harp on a prospect who's not going to get past high A by the end of his career. Uh, if you're going to, if you're going to look for your Red Sox news for prospects, like go check out Sox prospects. Mm-hmm. They, they follow it better than anyone, but if you're genuinely looking to Keith law for, and no, no disrespect to him, but if you're looking at Keith law to see what the red Sox top 30, the, their number 30 prospect is doing, he probably saw the guy, he probably saw a highlight of him swinging a bat once and, and playing in the field for five minutes and then read a blurb on him the guy's trying to do so much it's not i'm not trying to trash him or anything it's just he's he's got so much going on uh so it's one of those things where i couldn't care less about where someone ranks the red sox system i'm gonna look at the players and see how i feel about all of them see what other people feel like other people that pay attention feel about all of them I, i don't i don't take any stock really into the into the big time top 30 team, like ranking all the teams because it's just, it's just so much going on. Each team has at least, you yeah, they got their four minor league teams, their rookie ball, their Dominican summer league. You got so much going on. Unless you're focused only on that team, you're going to miss someone. You're going to miss something. You're going to not think all that highly of someone, but see everybody else has him as the number three prospect. So maybe I'm missing something and I'm <laughs> going to put him up there. It's, it's also subjective. And so my, my advice would be to just put it to the side, go, go try to make your own assumption and, and go off that because if you're only listening to, to Keith law, you're not getting all the information that you should.
1: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Derek, any anything to add on that
3: one? Yeah, I mean I've I've had like a running joke for a little bit while that like, everyone could rank the Red Sox first and Keith Law would still rank them like fifteenth, but like <laughs> but no, but it's honestly though even for Law or McCain, it's just like there's like there's not enough hours in a day for them to be totally in the weeds on all thirty MLB farm systems. You might get lucky and you have one team who has like two prospects that are actually worth caring about because they've just sold their entire future to win a World Series. But that happens, what, once in, like, 20 years, right? right. So, like, every team's got all prospects all throughout the minors. And it's just, like I said, there's not enough hours in the day for this guy to cover it. Uh, like, I looked at it I, heading into – before anyone did the rankings, I'm a Fred Sox probably going to be around the 10 to 15 uh, mark, and that's without Bayo being in, in included. Uh, if you include Bayo, they're probably closer towards the ten, maybe even sneaking yeah. into the top ten. Um, which I know he doesn't technically count as a prospect status, but let's be fair. Like he pitched what eight or nine innings over the limit to where he yeah. isn't a prospect anymore. So, um, yeah, the rankings t- look nice to look at them. If when there's an outlier like Keith Law this year, you kind of throw that one away and kind of average out the rest of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, I think it's a good um I don't if if there's nothing else kind of on this, you know, subject. And and just the only other just thing quickly is that again, the in addition to the ranking lists, there's also the top hundred lists. We've talked a little bit about each of these guys. And if we're just speaking generally, Marcelo Meyer is kind of finding himself in the sort of 10 to 15 range on a lot of these lists. Uh Tristan Costas is around uh like probably in the 20 to 30 maybe around 40 range um blaze and raffaella are both on a lot of these lists but their their position has fluctuated quite yeah. a bit like for example like eric long and higgins at at Fangraphs has Blaze all the way up to 20th um i've seen other lists that have had him closer to 100 ish or so raffaella same thing there's a lot of variation there that's pretty much it. I think that Fangraphs did also have Nick York right around 100 on their list still, even after the rough season that he had last year. So those are the big names that are that people sort of know about and are aware of. But I think one of the things that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about it today, is the other names that people maybe don't know as much about or they haven't, uh, they haven't really seen. They haven't seen video of them. They haven't seen them in person, that kind of thing. So with that, I did want to start a see how far we get with some going through some of the the rosters for the teams um so we don't have the official rosters yet um for for the teams i haven't seen a hunter you haven't seen any sort of official rosters for any nope. of the teams that
2: all, so, all i've seen so far is brad tell us that rio gomez made the Worcester rotation that is and
1: that's a pretty cool that's a pretty cool piece of news um and we'll, so let's, I think that's a good segue into talking about Worcester. So we have the, what we do have is, and Hunter mentioned Sox prospects. I would say that we are a very pro Sox prospects entity here. Outcome. Those guys are amazing. They do incredible work. Um, and, and uh, they're, a tr- they're an unbelievable resource. I, I wish that every fan base of every team had a resource like them, um, but they have projected rosters on their website. And so I wanted to kind of run through some of the, the roster projection for we'll start with Worcester. So again, Worcester opening day is on Friday. Um, yep. uh, Garrett Whitlock will be making the, the start, the opening day start at, for, as a rehab outing for him, um, which is very cool for people that are potentially going to that game. So they do have on, on the website, they do have Whitlock because of the fact that he's going to be making those opening starts. Uh, and then they also have Brett Bayo, who will probably be making a a rehab starter two right behind him. Um, we don't necessarily have to, we don't really have to talk about those guys because those guys are going to be in, in the major leagues, but if we're looking sort of long term for what we think the rotation is going to be, the, the Worcester starting rotation is potentially to be really a nasty group of guys, like just based off of the fact that you have three guys that are currently on the Red Sox 40 man roster in in Wal- Brandon Walter, I would think that Brandon Walter would probably be getting the opening day start. If not for, for, for block yeah. is my guess. Uh, Brian Mata and Chris Murphy are, are probably the top three guys. They also have uh, Norwith Godinho listed as a starter in the rotation there. And we do, we did just find out about Rio Gomez making the rotation, which is really an awesome story. And I'm sure people know about it. The son of Pedro Gomez, he pitched for team Colombia in the world baseball classic, really cool story. He was on the pesky report um, earlier in the offseason. Um, and then uh, th- another name that I'm interested in, in talking about a little bit, and he's, he's listed as being on the IL right now. And I, I don't know what the status of the injury is with him, but Victor Santos is somebody else who I assume is going to be part of the rotation in Worcester. So, um, Hunter, I guess I'll start with you. Like of those guys I just mentioned, I think people know a lot about probably Walter Armada, maybe Murphy a little bit, but who, who stands out to you as being somebody that people should know about or that they should care about um, in the, in that rotation? Uh,
2: I mean, like you said, I I think everybody knows about Walter and Mata and for the most part, Murph at this point. Uh, But I do think that people forget how hyped up Brian Mata was before the injury. This was a top hundred prospect. He was seen as the Red Sox best pitching prospect. He was, I've seen someone say this before, and it's 100% true. He was Brian ba- Baio before Brian Baio. Uh, and
1: I think that was – I'm just going to say, I think that was Ed that said that, so we'll that give Ed a shout Ed. Out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll give Ed. Uh,
2: and he came back last year and did absolutely nothing to, to take away that hype, but I feel like people kind of just – I don't want to say soured on him, but people have forgotten about him a little bit and, I mean, he, he went through every level last year and dominated the whole time. And that's what he was doing before he got hurt was he was consistently being the younger, youngest pitcher at every level going up against older hitters than him and dominating them. And he came back last year and looked awesome. And I, I think that people are forgetting the ace potential that he had. Yeah. And, and I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he showed it again this year.
1: What, what is your Murph. Oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I wanted to I wanted to stick on Mata for a second. Yep. I wanted to get your take on like the likelihood that in the big leagues he ends up being a starter versus a reliever. Like, I don't think there's like any question that he has there's no question that, that Brian Mata has the stuff to be a big leaguer. Like yeah. like his throws really hard, like he's like he's super talented. But I think there's questions about command and durability yeah. for being yeah. a starter. So, what's your take on on? the likelihood that Brian Mata could be a starter in the big leagues. I'm
2: very positive. That's everyone's (laughs) going to learn about me. Uh, but I do, I think you could make a case for the durability being a question, but also I know a lot of people that get Tommy John, there's always like that to either he's going to keep having issues or that Tommy John fixes almost everything. And he's, and he's good after that. Uh, As for the durability or the command, that is something that he was improving on nicely before the injury. Uh, Like as the year went on, the, the walks were going down, the, he was leaving less pitches in the middle of the zone. Uh, So I do think that that's something he's still young. I think that's something that he can work on. I, I think, I think he'll definitely get a shot at being a starter in the majors because it's all there he's he's been a starter his whole his whole time throughout the minors. i don't i can't imagine them not wanting to give him that shot uh and honestly i would give him like 75 80 percent sticking as a starter because wow. i think it's just it's it's such a good package i think if he can get you five six innings every every outing you you're gonna do whatever you can to get that from him Yeah, and and i think i i think he's got it in him i really do
1: that i mean that would be incredible and i think that um i think that what we really have to see from him is that sort of first like full year back yeah from from tommy john right because it's like because these guys have had such a weird development path like yeah you, you make a good point about Mata still only being 23 he'll it looks like he'll he turns 24 in may um I feel like Brian Mott has been around forever. Like if you look at he he signed I guess when he was 16 out of uh out of Venezuela I think yeah. right. And he's always been really highly touted and then he they uh, these guys had the weird obviously the weird off-site pandemic year. Yeah that re- then,
2: that really hit him because then he had the injury so he missed 2 years which is what right. killed the hype but
1: yeah so I'm excited to see him have a full uh, just a full healthy like give me like this full healthy Brian Mata season yeah. and we'll see what He does I I hope that they don't Need to they don't rush him Up to the big leagues in case he's You know they need him and and that Gets to the point of like um, the fact That the Red Sox have have been Very steadfast that des- despite the sort Of flux in the injuries to the Pitching staff uh, of the major leaguers And the fact that the, the three guys Malt, uh, Walter Mata and Murphy Are all on the 40 man they've been really steadfast To saying we're leaving those guys in Worcester They're staying yeah. in the rotation we are not going to allow injuries to the big league staff to mess with what we think is the correct development for these guys. And yeah. I think that's the. I think it's the right decision in the long term. But we'll see how long it takes for some of those guys to to sort of make their way that make their way up. Um, Derek, I don't know if you had a any any moda thoughts in particular.
3: No, I mean I I do wonder though how much other guys is like development in terms of not only guys like around him like Walter and Murphy, but also if you look at the big league, you know. Rotation picture, I guess I'll use the rotation picture, not just the actual rotation, because guys like Whitlock and Houck, where it's we're still we still don't know where they're going to end up long term, right? Yeah. So sure. yeah. if everything works out, you know, you have Bayo, you have let's say you have Whitlock, Howker in the rotation already. It's like now you're starting to lose room in that rotation. You only get five guys in rotation. That that doesn't seem like they have any inclination to ever go to a six man rotation, right? So you start to look and if you know, how can Whitlock where to both stick in the rotation? It goes, those rotation spots are starting to kind of get clogged, right? I don't think that will be the case. I think Matt will be given the time in the big leagues to try and make it as a starter. I have faith in his ability that he'll be able to become a starter, but there is that kind of thing in the back of my head that goes, what if, like, other guys start, like, Whitlock, how kind of – nail down the rotation spots for the long-term that goes, Oh, there's not really any rotation spots left. That's not I
1: like mean, that. it seems like a good problem to have ultimately. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. Have. I think especially after, you know, we're recording this on Monday. I mean, how got, you know, rocked again in a, in a spring training start again, and he's going to get his, he's going to get his start against the Orioles. I think that, I think this is a huge, if just talking about the big league club for a second, like this is obviously a huge year, especially for Bayo and Whitlock, who are, they're coming back from, you know, uh, they they they've taken their time with Whitlock's uh, rehab. He should be back in the rotation by mid-April. Bayo probably short time after him, just after having a forearm, a forearm issue spring up early in spring training. He's uh, everything that's happened since then has been good. He's been he looks he's healthy. He he looked really good in that game against um, against uh, the Phillies. I think it was last weekend. Um, it's a huge year because those guys are going to have that opportunity to be in the rotation and then. The question is going to be like, how do you, how are they going to build around? Hopefully like you're in a position where it's like, how do we build around these guys in our rotation for the next few years? And that, that brings me to, um to Walter, who I think is, in my opinion, is the, the regardless of like talent level. And this isn't really, I'm not really going out on a limb saying this, but I think Walter is the guy that you look at in the minor league system, who at least hasn't pitched in the big leagues yet. Who you say, okay, that guy can be a big league starter. Yeah. Like he is the most likely to. I'm not saying he's going to be an ace or anything like that. I'm just saying that's a guy that you can give him the ball, you know, 25, 30 times a year to make starts and be a reliable innings eating fourth fifth starter now i know that doesn't sound sexy to people but that is really valuable number yeah one. you need that yeah you need that no and one no team has five aces and you don't and the, the thing the other thing is that you don't want to have to go out into free agency or trades to try to go get a guy like that because you yeah. couldn't develop someone like that so i want hunter i'm curious because i'm sure you've seen a lot of of walter pitching like what um, and I don't know because he hasn't. Re- he only made two starts at Worcester last year yeah. before he got hurt. So what are what can people expect from 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 uh, Brandon Walter? Uh, the uh, the command is off the charts. The guy just wasn't walking
2: people last year at all, and then struggled a little bit with it in his first Triple A start, and corrected everything by by his next start. Sadly, that was the last start he had. But uh, devastating slider, It's just absolutely filthy. Uh, so I would say those are probably the, the two biggest points is he's not going to walk people. Uh, he, he'll he get his strikeouts. He'll make people look bad. Uh, and just the fact that he's not going to walk people is huge. Cause I feel like that's been an issue for the Red Sox for yeah. forever is their pitchers run into, they cause problems for themselves. And then all of a sudden that mistake pitch that you throw is a three run homer instead of a solo shot. And and I think that's something big that, that Walter brings for you is just someone that you can throw out there for five innings and you know, he's not going to hurt himself. Like if, if the other team hits him, they hit him, it happens to everyone, but he's never going to, he's not going to go out there and walk four people in two innings and you got to take him out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I'm a huge fan of his. I think that um the, I remember the story being, and again, I, I, I don't, I, I can't remember who reported this, but I, my recollection was that when the Red Sox in the 2021 trade deadline were c- considering who they wanted to add for the stretch run, the the twins really wanted Walter in exchange for Hansel Robles. And the Red Sox said, no, not happening. Uh, and then uh, was it Alex Scherf who ended up going in that trade, I think, for, yep, yep. for Robles. So I'd say that one worked out for, for the Red Sox, that they didn't end up trading Walter. But yeah, I think the combination of... He doesn't throw hard. He's only going to maybe throw 92, 93, maybe, maybe get it up to 94 every now and then. But pinpoint control and just the really nasty, really effective change up and, and slider um, are the things that I, I look forward to uh, to seeing from him. And um, I would hope that we'll see him in the big leagues at, this, at some point this year, as long as he... He does need to, I think that he needs to show more, because again, he only made, for people that aren't aware of this, Walter was amazing in Portland last year had the incredible long stretch. I think it was, what was it? I don't know if either Derek or Hunter, if you remember that he had like a crazy stretch where he didn't have a walk. Uh, Yeah.
2: And it was to start the year. I think, Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, he just like, he doesn't walk a guy for like, I don't know, it was like three or four straight starts. And then he gets up to, he was amazing. He gets promoted up to Worcester. He makes two starts. I think in the second start, he gets pulled. He goes down with, with what I think was originally, a neck injury and they they determined that later it was a back injury and he never he didn't pitch again um if you watch red sox spring training this year you saw walter quite a bit he had, especially had for the most part one fairly impressive start in an exhibition game against team puerto rico um, where he looked really good so um so Brandon walter another guy um uh, and then you and Hunter before you started to talk a little bit about Chris Murphy, um, who was the other guy that people who's on the 40 man that people know about. Um, I, I sort of view Murphy as being probably of the three, he's probably the least likely to end up as a starter. Um, And, and, and again, it it was, I wrote about this on beyond the monster um, about him. It was a tale of two cities last year with, uh, with, um, with uh, uh, Chris Murphy, where he was great in, in Portland. He was excellent for most of the year. And then he goes up to Worcester and basically and effectively the same number of starts. He is as good as he was in Portland. He was really bad in Worcester. So um, yeah, I, 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 there's good stuff there with Murphy, but I think I'm not sure long-term if realistically he's going to be a starter. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have a take on. Yeah. I Murphy.
2: think, uh, I think the thing with him is he really only has three pitches and I think, you know, a lefty reliever yeah. with, you know, with three pitches, you, you, you might want to put him in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair to his uh, discrepancy between AAA and AA last year, he, con- he had the same problem the year before that, where he was good yeah. in high A, got promoted, struggled in AA. And then to start next year, the next year, he was insane in AA. And then after he got promoted, he struggled in AAA. So maybe that's just something, you know, he needs to get those, he needs to get that practice in, get those innings in, figure things out, adjust. So, I mean, it'll, it, it'll definitely be a big first two months for him in AAA to see if he figured those things out. Okay. Uh, but I do think his his limited pitch mix is, is definitely something that the Red Sox might see as this guy could be a really effective left-handed bullpen arm as opposed to, hey, let's try to make this guy stick as a starter.
1: Yeah. I just, you know, just to move things along a little bit here, we, you know, we talked a bunch about the starters. Just looking at the bullpen really quickly, there's a few guys that are listed here that we saw quite a bit of in spring training, guys like um, Ryan Sheriff, O'Donnell um Durbin Feltman. Guy Durbin Feltman was like a relatively touted draft pick who's had a very up and down minor league career. Um, I, I'm i not sure how you guys feel about this, but I'm, last year I felt like the bullpen in Worcester was a real strength. They were able, there were guys that were really good. It was good guys like Zach Kelly and, um, Frank, Frank Germain got some, some guys who are Pallidi. out of the organization now. Politi, who may be, be, be coming back to the organization. We did just right before we started recording the, um, he was designated for assignment by the Orioles. If he passes through waivers, he will be offered back to the Red Sox. So we could have AJ Politi back potentially, who was another who was also on the Pesky Report <laughs> earlier in the offseason, as I recall. Um, so I'm looking at this bullpen, and I'm maybe I'm a, like a little bit. Mm, I don't know. I, I I don't see like a huge amount of upside in this this Worcester bullpen. Am I am I crazy, or or what do you think, Hunter? Is there anybody on this list that you think to yourself like? this is a guy who could come up and help the Red Sox this year. Potentially There's guy. there's some retread like major league guys like Daniel Villa yeah. and Jake Faria and guys like that too. But
2: I mean, that's, that's a tough one because I think that there's a couple guys that aren't, aren't big names, but like Brandon nail had a very solid year last year in double a, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in triple a, uh, Taylor Broadway, I think, I don't know what his exact situation is, but Taylor Broadway I thought looked phenomenal in his short stint last year after getting traded. Uh, Just a lot of disgusting pitches, Uh, and that's someone I think the Red Sox bought low on. You know, he didn't have great numbers, but all the advanced stats pointed favorably for him. Uh, So I would say if there's anyone, I would probably go with Taylor Broadway, but it's definitely not – I don't, they're definitely not going to be as dominant. Like, like you said, they had Zach Kelly, Herman, and, and Politi last year. Those were three guys that all year fans were begging to get called up. I don't think we're going to see that this year. Myself
1: included. I mean, it was, (laughs) it was frustrating last year to have like the Sox bullpen struggle so bad. And then you look at the numbers of the guys in Western, you're like, why are, why are, why is like Eurus Familia and, and these guys that suck, why are they in Boston and these really good guys that are in AAA? And they have, they have reasons for doing it for, different reasons yeah. but um it was just kind of annoying but looking at this bullpen this year i'm not really sure It seems like it seems like the strength of this rotation is definitely or the, the strength of the pitching staff is in the rotation potentially I mean, um, the
3: argument can be made that those are so yeah. chasing just so good that it makes the bullpen not look that good there's also that argument too that's true that's fair <laughs> which they, yeah. might, they might not need the bullpen all that much this year no true no and yeah. if you get Politi back then it's just like <laughs> Okay. Well, there's another bullpen piece who was on the doorstep of, I mean, one more guy gets injured in that bullpen next year. He gets called up.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean last year. Not year. Exactly. Yeah. And then as far as, so I think, you know, uh, let's talk about the lineup a bit here. So one thing that, that they don't have updated yet on Sox prospects is obviously um, they have, they have Alfaro in there at catcher. They have decent catcher depth definitely at um, in, in Worcester the, the, with, with Alfaro deciding to accept the assignment to triple a um also they don't they they currently do not have Dahlbeck on the the list here um he i'm assuming is going to get every day at bats at first base he may also be moving around a bit as he did in in uh, uh in spring training this year so those are guys that have obviously a lot of major league experience we'll probably see daniel polka and a few other guys like that down there too um but I did want to talk a little bit about some of the younger players. Um, and maybe, you know, Derek, maybe I'll, I'll start with you on this one about Emmanuel Valdez, who I think impressed a lot of people in spring training this year for, for you know, he came over last year in the, in the Christian Vasquez trade. Um, and, you know, hit pretty well in Worcester down the stretch last year and then came into this this spring training with a real opportunity to play uh, a, a lot, especially with some guys going to the World Baseball Classic. And he looked really good. And I think that it's clear that he has a bat that could play in the big leagues. That's it, in my opinion. The question with him a lot is defensively. What's, Derek, what's your impressions of, of Emmanuel Valdez so far?
3: Yeah, I, I really like what I've seen from Valdez so far in his time with the Red Sox and even kind of when they traded for him when you see that Vasquez trade out. I, I, I remember that whole like day when, that night when they traded him to the Astros and it was in Houston and everyone's losing their mind. And I go and I, I might've been like the first person, as soon as that trade broke, I went, who the heck did they, or did they just trade for? And where are they on MLB pipeline on in the Astros system? That's the first thing I did. And I went, I'm like, uh Oh, we got guys who got plate discipline. That's the first thing my mind went to. You get guys who get on, on, you get on base a lot. Right. And it, it, it almost like, we kind of almost saw like this organizational philosophy that they had this offseason kind of come into play at the deadline last year. We're like, yeah, we're getting two guys we get on base and with Valdez, he can hit very well gets on base a lot. The only problem is defense. And where does he play? Obviously he's been playing a lot of second base. Not necessarily cuz he's good at second base, more to, more so because he's not that great anywhere defensively and second base is probably his best spot, which I don't think I don't know how much that's going to work in the big leagues now without the shift. So, defensive home is really the big question for him, but I have no fear that that I have no fears about his bat being able to play, especially even when he gets to the big leagues. Obviously, very lefty heavy lineup this year. Could he get to the big leagues? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see how the season goes for him. Uh, but I think that defensive home is really kind of that big question mark that is kind of looming over his head.
1: Yeah, Hunter, like when you think about Valdez defensively, um, I I thought that there was he showed some signs of improvement from what i saw like i didn't see a guy when i when just watching him the little bit that you know we got to see him just on tv in spring training i didn't really see somebody where i was like oh god like what are we gonna do with this guy yeah i thought you know it sounded to me like when he came to the rookie development camp earlier in the offseason he said that it was something he really wanted to work on was just overall his defense um hunter like what's your take on where you could see him maybe eventually landing defensively. Can he be a big league second baseman? In your I think he
2: could. I don't think he's going to be a great one, but I don't think he's someone that's going to like – I don't think he's someone that you're going to see a ground ball hit to him and all the fans are going to close their eyes. I think he's – you know, he'll be there. He's not going to make a bunch of spectacular – he's not Dustin Pedroia, but he's he's going to give you a decent defense at second base with a decent arm. And I I, I can't see anywhere else that you could really put him. Because shortstop, I just don't think he has the range for uh, third base. Maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but because uh, he he doesn't have a bad arm, uh, and there's the corner outfield spots. You could you could try to toss him in there. I, I think he played a couple innings in AAA last year in the outfield, uh, but i I would imagine they're going to end up trying to stick him at second base and seeing yeah. seeing if that works because. It's, it's not going to be great defense, but he's not going to kill you. And especially if you don't have David Ortiz at DH, if you're kind of just going with the different people play DH, you could stick him at DH some days to get him out of the field. I, I, I don't think the defense is as much of an issue as some people are trying to make it be. I don't think it – again, he's not winning any gold gloves or anything. But it's not like it's something where it's like, oh, we can't play him. You, you put him at second base, you have a great bat and you deal with slightly below average defense at the position.
1: Yeah. The thing that I was impressed with Valdez just at the plate, at least was I thought that he got some really good swings in and had hit some balls very hard, especially against left handed yeah. pitching, which is something that he has historically struggled with. So if Valdez can, cause he is, he can definitely hit, um, you can definitely hit righties. There's no question about that. And he can definitely – uh he has great plate discipline like Derek was talking about. If he can hit – if he can show he can hit lefties, then he is a complete hitter and he will play in the big leagues and he will yeah. have a role. And um, I don't think we're probably going to get to Portland tonight, but like – but the fact that the Red Sox, it seems like, got two I, – I know that's a lot of debate and, and Vasquez w- did well for the Astros and he – Caught a no hitter in the World Series and they won the World Series. Amazing stuff for him. But the fact that the Red Sox look like they got two guys who are going to be big leaguers for effectively two months of Christian Vasquez is, I think it's going to end up being looking like a pretty good trade. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a couple more guys, just like Christian Koss. I know that I think Hunter, you've written a little about, bit about Christian Koss. They have uh, him yes, listed. At-
2: and I might have an interview coming out with him. In oh.
1: Case, so just, just throwing that out there. Geez. Well. Let's talk about him just a little bit, Christian Cost, uh, because he is a um he's listed as third base here, but he's somebody with who uh, different from Valdez has real positional versatility and yeah. is a is a talented guy. What's when you look at Christian Koss, again, it's not a highly touted prospect in the system, but do you see do you see a big leaguer there with Christian Koss?
2: Honestly, yes. I think he's really good defensively anywhere you put him really. His best position is probably shortstop, but I think they got a little bit too much at that position going on a little bit lower in the minors right. that I don't think he's going to stick there, but underrated speed. I saw him live a couple times last year and it was one of those things that like I always graded him as a, as as a good runner and when I saw him live, they just, the guy flies down the first baseline. Uh, good hitter above average pop for especially for a middle infielder if he's playing second or short he's giving you a lot more power than a lot of other second basemen or shortstops are giving you. Uh good contact like there's really I don't I don't know if there's anything that you would maybe grade really high, but I think everything's average to above average. And I I just don't see how I, I see so many spots that he could fit in with the Red Sox. You could have him be your everyday second baseman at some point. You could just have him as a utility guy. I think there's a lot there that he can do. He's even played a little bit of outfield, uh, and I think he's someone. If you gave him 150 games, I don't think I could see him more as just a, a utility bench plug and play. Maybe gets you know 250, 300 at bats. But if you gave him 500 plus at bats, I think he's someone that could give you a 2020 season once or twice. Uh, So I think he would be a really valuable guy in, he might even make, uh, find his way to the majors at some point this year, a little bit of a stretch because there's a lot going on, but I wouldn't be shocked if it happened.
1: He's also, he's not on the 40 man right now. And I guess, I guess Derek, a question I would ask you is like, so we think about a guy like Christian Koss, and this is a bigger system Thing you're talking before about like not having enough spots in the the rotation. I think that like the Red Sox have even you know, we're talking about how the a lot of the depth is at the lower levels. The Red Sox have like this embarrassment of riches, especially of infielders. It's like does Christian Koss end up being probably the kind of guy that maybe makes it to the big leagues, but possibly not with the Red Sox, you know?
3: Yeah, I think that's also a possibility. It's 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 like we bring about the info that like a little bit off. For half, a sec- for half a second, it's like, I've been crazy over Edison Edinson Paulino for like last year or so, where I'm like, he's going to be a breakout candidate this year, but it's like, he can't play the same position every single day because they have so many guys at the low minors. I feel like that's kind of what's going to end up with costs now, and you're going to have Dahlbeck playing all over the infield in AAA, and you've got David Hamilton up the middle, and Evan Mario Valdez at second base, it's like, it's like, okay, well, he's probably not going to play in the same spot every day next year, which isn't a bad thing, but it's also like, I don't know if he makes the big leagues with the Red Sox, like you said. And, like, I don't like – and like Hunter said, I don't think there's anything he's bad at. I think that he's solid at everything. Not great necessarily at anything. I mean, maybe, you know, we have, like, a shock gear to Kristen Koss, and it's like, oh, Kristen Koss has taken a jump, right? You never know. Uh, Prospect development or player development as a whole is never linear. Um, But I think there is that chance where it's like he's not on the 40-man. Yeah, maybe he does make his MLB debut – with the team that isn't the Red Sox, but I would hope it is with the Red Sox. Um, But he is a guy who is rule five eligible after 2023. So that's always a big risk, especially for guys who have proven that they can play in triple a, if he does have a good year this year.
1: Yeah. So there are a couple more guys. I just wanted to make sure we talked about on the Worcester roster. And then, and then I'm thinking maybe we could take, talk about some of those Twitter questions and then we'll wrap up um, and we can do, we can do the other Maybe next week we can do the other teams that they don't start until uh, the sixth anyway. So we might have a better idea of their rosters. But definitely one of them is David Hamilton, who people have seen in spring training again. Same guy came over in a, in a trade, um, came over in the Hunter Renfro trade. Um, people have seen him in spring training. I feel like he's played almost exclusively shortstop um, in spring training. He set the Red Sox sort of franchise record, or at least the the Portland record for stolen bases last year. Um. I think the Red Sox have, you know, they moved him up uh, to to Triple A for this next year. My hope with David Hamilton is that he works more, and it seems like he's trying to do this to hit the ball on the ground more. Yeah. Because last year, I think that he had something like a forty-eight percent like fly ball rate or something yeah, like that. A lot, of,
2: a lot of weak fly balls. It's shallow left.
1: Yeah, he's just the kind of guy that he's got to hit the ball on. He is so fast. He's like a seventy runner at least. And he's got to be able to hit the ball on the ground to make stuff happen. And then get like your ability to be a base dealer um, does not really work if you don't get on base. Yeah. So <laughs> um, talented guy. I, I What's like your you guys, your expectation this year, Derek, I guess I'll start with you for David Hamilton. Like, what are you hoping to see out of him?
3: I feel like I think the hope is that he puts himself in a position to take uh, Alberto Mondesi's roster spot heading into 2024. That's what I've kind of, especially since after the Reds I've got Modesty. I've been looking at it and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, David Hamilton can take his roster spot at because Modesty only has one year left on his deal; he'll be a free agent uh, after 23. Yeah. So I've been looking at David Hamilton says so like, let him play in Triple A. Hopefully, he has a good year. You know, the ball on the ground a little bit more. Don't just pop up, pop out. Uh, you know, half half your plate appearances. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of Mondesi role of being a guy who can be off the bench to steal bases, maybe get into a lineup a little bit more often depending on what the roster looks like. Um, and a guy that speed will play. Speed plays at every level of baseball, right? Whether it's low A, high A, double A, triple A, big league speed plays, speed kills. Um, and with the rule changes, the bases changing and whatever, we've already seen how Hamilton has done with it in the minor leagues. So I think that's kind of what we're, we're hoping for for David Hamilton. And Mondesi has injury troubles. Don't be shocked if – we get, you know, he's on the 40 man. So don't be shy. We get towards, you know, July, August and Monacy's hurt. David Hamilton gets called, especially if they're in a pennant race and they need a speed guy.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that also position is a, is an interesting question with Hamilton about if he is really a shortstop. Um, he also has played some outfield, um, but just, to, just in the interest of time, I, I wanted to move on and just talk about the last guy that I really want to talk about who's on this projected roster. I don't necessarily know that it's like, it feels like 90% he's going to be on the the Worcester roster, and that's Sedan Raffaella, um, okay. who, if you live in New England, if you have a chance to go to Portland, or sorry, if you have a chance to go to Worcester, I think that Raffaella is the type of guy that is going to be kind of worth the price of admission on his own, um, he is uh, the consensus among people that have seen him, that have watched him, of scouts, of people that write about this kind of stuff, say that Sedan Raffaella could come up today. And if he only played center field, if he only played outfield, he would be a gold glove caliber center fielder today. Um, he also plays shortstop. <laughs> and he could be, I don't know if he was a gold glove caliber shortstop, but play he plays shortstop. Is- yeah, it right. doesn't shock me. The guy is a, is a wizard. And the funniest thing to me was last year, you'd read some of these articles about, him and they would talk about him like the as like almost like a folk a folk hero. Like the stuff would be it was it would be like, oh I I saw him uh you know do three somersaults in the air and catch the ball with his hat and or he caught it with his teeth or whatever I feel like, like you're
2: calling me out right
1: now. <laughs> oh it was I don't know if that me it was probably you I read it read that from but that's it was just
2: kind it, of how I talk about him. So, but yeah.
1: but it's it is um he is truly spectacular there. He will be a big leaguer just based on that. If he's just a fourth outfielder, that kind of thing, he will have a a future as as a big leaguer. Absolutely. The question, as you know, with a lot of these guys, what's he not as good at? The question is: the is the 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 swing swinging uh just swing swinging at pitches outside of the strike zone. It's not necessarily about strikeouts. He strikes out about the same uh, normal rate as a lot of guys. The problem is is that he swings at bad pitches and makes weak con and makes weak contact and makes outs. He has great hand eye coordination. He's in, he is very good at that. And he has power too, but the question is going to be: is he going to hit an- enough to be? against big league pitching to be an everyday big leader there's value I, I wrote this on twitter over the weekend that he was playing in a game against tampa and he lined out to jose siri a couple times and i said i think that that, that the median of who he could be is like a jose siri which is might be a disappointment to some people but that's a big league center fielder who plays for a, a contending team yeah um, what you don't want is him to turn into somebody like christian pache who i I kind of think is a stiff, but Hunter, you're, you're, what do you, uh, where is he ranked for you in terms of like guys that you're sort of excited about seeing this year?
2: This is an unfair question for me uh, <laughs> because I've been on the, Sedan Raphael is top tier train for way too long. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I went to a couple AA games last year, and I brought a friend to a game, and the poor guy had to listen to me scream into his ear for nine innings about how good he was because Saiton he robbed a home run in the game, he hit a home run, so the whole game was just me turning to him every three seconds and giving him another Saiton Raphael effect. I uh, I think I think that the the plate discipline is definitely something he's got to work on, but in fairness, I think it's something that he's shown he's working on. I think there was a lot of at-bats in spring training this year, where even if it ended in a ground out or a strike, at, he was getting it to three balls and two strikes or three balls in a strip. Like he was trying to wait for his pitch, which has to be hard for a, a kid getting a spring training, a taste of spring training. And it's like, man, if I do something here, you know, if I, if I show them, I can hit, they're going to, they're going to see me better. I, uh, so I think the fact that he was, showing a willingness to to sit on pitches in spring training is a positive and i think he showed it at some points last year too where he would uh, for a couple game stretch he would clearly be trying to work on it and then and then he'd roll over a couple but i uh, i think that's like the that's really like the only weakness in his game he's got surprising power for his size he's really he's got good speed he's underratedly smart on the base paths the amount of times I would see him dancing between second and third to get the pitcher to look at him someone takes home the pitcher throws it over the second baseman's head and and Raphael is all of a sudden jogging home too <laughs> uh a uh, gold glover in center gold glover at short he's shown great defense at second and third the year before that uh I think at this point they kind of have him set to center and shortstop but to me, there's he's kind of a – I don't want to say a can't-miss prospect because that I don't want to build him up too much, but he's someone that will have success in the majors because of his defense, because of his speed, because of the power. So even if he never becomes a, a 280 hitter even, if he can get you a 240 batting average with 15 homers, 20 steals, and gold glove defense, I can't think of any team that, that wouldn't jump on that to have, a, to have on their team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think that, you know, Raphaella was mentioned in trade rumors over the winter. Um, Don't know how realistic it was. There was a possibility that it sounded like the Marlins were interested in him. The Red Sox seem pretty stead- steadfast in hanging on to him because just, I think that they feel like this is just my read on the situation. I don't know this, but just the, the glove is so special. And if the bat just comes around a bit more, if he, the plate discipline comes around a little bit more, You are talking about a multi-time all-star level player for sure. Um, So Derek, what's your, what's your read on Raffaella? What, how realistic do you think it is that he reaches that all-star
3: level? I've been on the Raffaella hype train for like, just like probably too long. I've been on that thing since like mid to late 2021. And I've been on the, I've, and and it's like going in 22. I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to have a breakout year. Like I was like dead set on it. He's having a breakout year and now that he had that breakout year, now I'm just like, all right, well, sky's the limit. Like, his floor is stupidly high because of that defense. And mm-hmm. I always remind people, I'm like with Raphael, I always say, like, the Red Sox won a World Series at Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field, Yeah. right? His Jackie Bradley Jr.'s bat, with the exception of, like, two months of the year, was not that good. But he brought some of the best defense that anything, anyone's ever seen in center field at Fenway. You're looking at that same kind of level of defense, except... I think Rafael is faster than what Jackie Bradley Jr. has ever been. Yeah, um, Bradley was never the fastest guy. So you look at that, and that defense is just so good. He will find a way into a Red Sox lineup at some point. Now I think there's a chance he can become the All-Star player. I have to like re- refrain myself from saying it's a guarantee because I so badly just want to say because I've been on the hype train for so long. Um, but you look at. You know, Bradley had that one year he was an all-star. Wouldn't shock me, Raphael, like three years in, four years in, goes off, hits 20 homers, hits, you know, 280. And it's like, yeah, he's an all-star. Wouldn't shock me.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's a guy, again, that if you're – if you have the chance to go see Worcester this year, um, get, check him out uh, before – he, you know, comes up to the big leagues. Um, so we, so we, like I said, we're, we're over an hour at this point. I did, we did get a couple of questions on Twitter that we can go through really quickly. Um, and then next week, um, like again, the Worcester starts on Friday, the other teams start the week after. So we can do this exercise that we just did with Worcester through the end of, uh, through, through uh, next week with the other three teams. Um, so, Ed, uh, our our own Ed Hand asked, and I'm going to turn this one over to probably everybody else on this because I don't play video games. So the question was from Ed: was which player in the minors would you most want to play video games with? I don't who I don't know who's a game. I'm not a game. I'll, so I'll, I'll take
3: I'll okay. take this. I need someone who plays FIFA because it's like <laughs> the only game I'm actually like half decent at. Um. So just literally give me anyone who plays FIFA. I don't care. Uh, ideally, be would Marcel be Meyer, Marcel Meyer, but I doubt he probably plays FIFA. So just give me anyone who has any knowledge of soccer. And cool, because that's the only game I'm good at.
2: I had uh, Chris Murphy, just because I've talked to him a few times. I know he's, he's chill, so it would be an easy gaming session. And then Kier Meredith. Oh, and interesting. I didn't tell you why, okay. but something about the vibe – I know he makes TikToks. He has a lot of fun. I feel like I feel like he would he would be good to play some MLB with or some Chell with or th- something that we can just get mad at other people and joke around. I think he would be good at it.
0: Shocked nobody said Ryan Fitzgerald. Oh, that would be yeah. my
1: dude. That's he would be and we didn't really talk. We didn't really talk about uh, about him either. Um, you know, just being a. a Guy that I don't know necessarily if Fitzgerald is gonna be like maybe he gets up to the big leagues this year. That would be cool. Um He deserves you know, it. He deserves it. He he plays deserves all, a shot somewhere. Plays all over the diamond, seems like a chill guy. Like, yeah, hopefully. But but as far as the video game side go, yeah, probably sure. It'd be great. Um we had two questions from someone with the username, the handle hashtag hireheimbloom okay Uh, rare positivity didn't realize well that's weird because he is he has a job so um (laughs) the first question they asked was who who takes the biggest leap in prospect rankings this year and again we talked about this like i think it depends on where you have him yeah but i definitely think that like because we already know that my answer to this would be blaze just be and it's an easy answer just because he's already 20th on one ranking a lot of them other ones had him closer to to eight to like 80 to you know a hundred i think there's a very good chance that if everything breaks well and blaze is as good as we think he is that he could be a top 15 20 prospect in the game by the end of this year possibly um but other guys like one thing i would maybe be interested in is if you guys think there's anybody who's like outside of the top hundreds right now who you think could could jump on um
2: yeah uh I had, I had Blaise as an obvious one just from the top hundred uh, standpoint, but my one thing was he's already top five in the Red Sox system. Yeah. So like technically in the system, he wouldn't jump that much. Uh, I think Luis Perales and Elmer Rodriguez Cruz are both two that could get their, find their way into the top 100. And then someone for the Red Sox top 30 that I think could like s- sneak his way in there is, uh, Eduardo Lopez, the outfielder for Salem, uh, Okay. Just like he's just an interesting guy. He was 19 last year. Didn't do anything spectacular. If you look at the numbers, I think he hit in the 230s. Only a couple homers, like 10 steals. But he kind of does everything to the point where I was like, I could see him hitting 270 with 15 homers and 15 steals. No. And it's like, oh, this is a guy that you know he he makes his way up to Greenville and finds himself at you know number 28 by the end of the year in the Red Sox system. So kind of just going from someone that no one's talking about to, yeah. kind of in the in the conversation.
3: Not someone that no one's talking about. I I went so off the board with this. <laughs> that I, I I made this a goal to go as far off the board as I could. Okay, lay it so on. So I'm talk, so I figured I'm gonna go biggest risers in the Red Sox system, and I looked at Sox prospects at top sixty rankings, and I wanted to go chase Medroth, and I or, and I went eh. I'm like I thought about it. I figured, I'm like I can go more off the board than that and this is actually wacky because the MLB app put this guy in the 40 man roster for the Red Sox today and I was like don't blow my cover because I was like ticked off I'm like how does this just randomly happen? Um, Alan Castro, 19 uh, year old outfielder, he's probably going to start the year in Salem this year. Switch hitter. The thing that's really interesting about him uh, against lefties, he hit over at 30 at bats. Very small sample size in, in, in rookie ball in the FCL, but. 30 bats against lefties, switch, hitting right-handed. Over 400 batting average, OPS over 1,200, had two homers. Against righties, hitting lefty, though, average was around 250, about 650-something OPS. So OPS was almost half hitting as a lefty. And, yes, that was 90 at bats, also had two homers. That bat from the right side seems very, very interesting. And we've seen a lot of players kind of take off if they stop switch hitting. I'm not saying he's going to do that. But that bat against lefties looks really good from that right side. And I do wonder, it's going to be on a Salem team that's going to be very, very good. I wonder, I go, what if that bat on the left side starts to come around? Because it seems like that bat on the right side looks really good. Um, So that's kind of my guy I've gone for. Just a guy that that bat from one side of the plate looks really good. If they either stop switch hitting him or that bat from the left side turns around, I think you got a guy who really kind of rise through the rankings of those low minor guys.
1: Fascinating. That's somebody that I that hasn't super been on my radar. So I have to both and I'm sure probably next week we'll probably <clears throat> talk about talk about him and other folks more. Um and then the last question that hashtag higher Bloom had was who do you think has the most upside in the system while also having a lot of bust potential? I think that we talked about um there's there's some obvious guys like you know, Luis Perales to me is a guy that's like that, where where it's like it's so much um you know pitcher pitching in general is just like so volatile um and you just never really know what guys are gonna do like from year to year whether they're gonna have it if they're gonna find it they're gonna lose it like um i think that they're like you go down to like the low minors like a, a guy that you know i've seen listed higher on some lists than others and i think he did you know crack the um uh the and we won't see him till later this year but a guy like Yoel in suspedes the guy who they got uh who they gave the biggest bonus to in this current uh signing period who i don't think we probably won't see until the dsl starts playing but that's like you know that's an example of like hey, there's a really young guy who could potentially be good and maybe rise through the system like miguel blaze has like on a fairly quick basis yeah uh but he also maybe is is not going to be anything. That's just how it kind of goes with the younger guys. But I'm just curious what you guys think about that question.
2: Uh, my Mine is Blaze Jordan because okay. I, <laughs> yeah. I think he's someone that like peak prime Blaze Jordan. If you told me he's going to have 40 home run seasons in the majors, I'd be like, yeah, that, that makes sense that dude mashes. But there's also that part of him that like everyone's wondering, can he hit high minor league pitching? you know, it was the bat speed there. So he's someone that I think his ceiling is 40 plus homers in the majors and the the floor is he fizzles out in double A cuz he can't he can't hit 220 and stop striking out. Personally, I was very impressed with him last year. I sh- I think he showed a lot of good contact skills, like even when he wasn't hitting homers, he was putting the bat on the ball, he was bringing in runs, decent amount of walks. Uh but I think that there's that absurd upside with also just the the bus potential is very clearly there
1: yeah yeah blaze again blaze jordan and we're gonna have to differentiate between miguel blaze and blaze jordan that's gonna be a tough one but um he's a guy to me that it's like where does he fit in the long run with the team because of the there's so many infielders he's gonna be probably relegated to a corner whether it's you know we think that Third base is gonna hopefully be occupied for a long time, it seems like with the Red Sox, and hopefully first base is too. So where does a guy
3: like Blaze Jordan
1: fit in? Yeah, that's you know, a good question. But Derek, what's your thought in terms of like boomer bust potential?
3: I literally wrote down Blaze Jordan, so there's yeah. that. Um, no, I mean I literally I wrote down three names. I'm like Blaze is Miguel Blaze is like the obvious answer, right? Because like yeah, we all know the potential, but like is like the same thing with Perlis, they're both so early in the minors that you know, yeah. There's clear bust potential for anyone in the low minors. Yeah. Blaze Jordan was another guy I went for, where I was like, yeah, like there's a guy uh that you know is yeah, you know, like hundred said, could hit it forty homers. Also, could just never get past double A. Another guy, kind of like that, I guess is. I mean, maybe Alex Benellis because like it was salt. It was okay, and w- it wasn't. he was solid and high A. wasn't yeah. great. wasn't bad. You know, solid gets to double A and just kind of crap the bed a little bit. Um Wasn't great um uh, a lot of people would argue who was bad in double a i wouldn't go that far because i don't like calling guys bad players but they're professional baseball yeah. players but uh not so i maybe that i have also kind of looked and gone you know maybe just start like, I like a welcoming gonzalez who rougher last year compared to 2021 a guy like that too could have that kind of bust potential who also yeah. still has very high upside as well
1: yeah yeah and this last thing on Benellas, like i yes yeah he did have a lot of issues with strikeouts last year. I do remember reading, I think it was spear that said that he late in the season last year, he made a mechanical change in his swing. Um, and he did the last, like maybe two weeks of the season, he started hitting the ball again. So hopefully whatever that is uh, carries over, but
2: yeah, I mean, yeah, right. the, the numbers were low. The strikeouts were high, but he still hit 25 homers. Yeah,
1: no, he, there's, there is definite power there with Alex Benellis, No question about it. And I'm, and, you know, I, I think that uh, they tr- they identified him. They identified him and traded for him as part of that Renfro deal. As a reason, I think they see a potential big league bat in there. Um, but yeah, if he cuts down on the swing and miss, I think he should be good. So, all right. So I think that's going to wrap it up, Brad. I guess I'll probably turn it over to you to to wrap this up because I'm not sure what else we have coming up on the show this week. But but like I said, uh, next week I think we're going to do. Uh, we'll go through the rosters of the other three teams that we didn't get to today. And that'll probably take up the bulk of that one. So
0: later on this week, we have myself, Ryan Brady, Doink, and Tim. We're going to do our predictions, uh, wrap up the predictions between the weekend episodes and the weekday episodes. Uh, so stay tuned for that.